0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you guys had a great weekend. As always, hoping it was full of nothing but self-care, right? Because that's what we need right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, we're in election time. Anxiety spiked through the roof. People are struggling with a lot of different things. So self-care. Center point, your day's gotta be centered in that. And if you're not able to do it, then your day is definitely far from balanced and it's definitely not rooted in looking out for your mental health. We also wanna be making sure we're building in joy and pleasure in our day as much as possible. There's so many ways to do that based on what you choose to eat, the boundaries you might set about your accessibility, maybe taking some time off of your social media, maybe just dancing and singing, eating that food, wearing comfortable clothing, taking naps, because that's the other point. We're gonna rest as much as possible. We're dropping that bar down 60%. Uh, Great show plan for you. As always, we're going to be talking a little bit about election stress because that matters. Also ethics. And finally, just some anger management stuff. Yep. And then later we'll be debunking some sexual myths. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. And I uh, hope you're checking out Loveline. It's podcasted over at WeAreChannelQ.com podcasted. So go over there and check out all the old episodes. Um, I wanted to start off with some uh, Ecology, understanding. Why? Because we're not talking enough about the impact of the environment and nature and ecology and how that intersects with our mental health. Mostly how it can support our mental health. But we have to definitely, climate change is real. And uh, in trying to really look out for ourselves and our future, we have to acknowledge how important nature and the environment is. And so I want to start building in some more spirituality discussions of how spirituality intersects with mental health, environment. It's really important to expand beyond just thinking about ourselves only and not considering the larger world and context in which we exist and the impact we have. Um, It matters. So the first thing is always just... Think about the climate. <laughs> Acknowledge that the environment needs our help. That the climate, climate change is real, and uh, and just try to build it into your home. What are a few things that we can do to start to be a part of that process, right? And there's so much that we can do. Uh, first one's always about electricity and energy use. You know, talk to your family and your kids about turning the lights off when a room is not needing light. You know, unplugging some of our technologies once they're charged. You know paying attention to the thermostat things like that are really powerful you know washing your clothing in cold water Um, and just looking at appliances you know a lot of them now can come with a more energy smart based system also the food choices food choice is huge you know the um, food industry has a large impact you know right behind the automobile industry on the environment one of the most powerful ways we can really battle climate in terms of what we're eating is eating more plant-based, which is what made me one of the main reasons, one of the main top three reasons I went vegan. Understanding the meat industry is both unhealthy for us, right, and that impacts our mental health, the food we're putting in our bodies, it absolutely does, but also looking at its impact on the environment. Plant-based diets, good for our bodies, good for the environment, and also good for our mental health. Um, and also not wasting food. You know, I love when people talk about growing your own God, don't we all wish we had a garden that we could just enjoy roll around and grow our own food. We're working on it. Also, like I said, talking to your family and those around you about the important conversation of climate. You know, it's a lot, of, it's something that really is daunting to people. And it makes you sound like a radical or a hippie. And it's like, oh God, we all participate and are impacted by what's going on in the ecology. All of us. No one lives outside of or untouched by that. And I've shared with you all how important it is for my own mental health that I make sure my bare feet touch the earth. It's grounding, it's grounding. Eco psychology is a really important thing. And I talk to clients about that all the time. When's last time you're out in sunlight? We know our bodies need sunlight. Our bodies also need fresh air, but our bodies also need to touch the bare ground. Putting your bare feet in dirt or in the grass or in the sand, it doesn't matter, but it's called grounding and it's a real thing and it really helps soothe us. It helps decrease our anxiety. It's a really great, accessible, non non-pharmace- pharmaceutical way to really work on decreasing our anxiety. Also, how we travel ride a bike if you have possible. When I lived in Philadelphia, I rode a bike everywhere. I loved it. The fresh air, listening to my music, getting outside. Also, some car sharing if you can or Taking public transportation, all really valuable things. And then I think finally one of the bigger ones is also consuming less, buying less. We know consumerism is bad for your mental health, thinking you always need to be buying something new, the newest fashion, the newest gadget. No, you don't. We, you know, other than maybe food, we can go decent amount of time if you really try without purchasing things. We tend to just buy, um, consume less, right? Focus on pleasures that are rooted in things you already have in your home. Because we're also worrying about the money we're spending, you know? So that's part of it. So, you know, looking at all those different entry points. And then I think finally, the one that we all know, but I think some people aren't great about is recycling. You know, take that seriously. It's It falls on us. That's also what's frustrating. We want to also hold accountable these bigger systems that are polluting the environment, right? But um, we want to also make sure we're doing what we can. So keep the conversation going. Talk to your family. Talk about the impact of you know, that the environment has on our mental health, right? But also just on the world we exist within. Because mental health is about having care and compassion for the way we impact the world, other people, the planet, animals, humans, like that's all the same thing. We can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to offer compassion to this group of people, but not to the others and somehow think that that's me really working on my mental health. It just doesn't quite work that way. All right, y'all, enough about that. Coming up next, we're gonna talk about election stress and uh, ethics. Yep, ethics are a big part of mental health because if we're not living according to our own ethics, our mental health will decrease. you listen listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. How y'all doing? Strange times, I know. Right? Doing the best we can. Hope you are managing your election stress. For those that are having it, those that aren't, yo, God bless. You must be sitting pretty (laughs) because the rest of us are out here fighting for our lives and the lives and welfare of those we care about. So, anyway, hope you're voting. Um, The numbers, I'm seeing how many people are coming out and the lengths of time that they're standing in line. So, Oh, bless. Thank you. Thank you to those that are taking it seriously and are dealing with all the obstacles. It's not an easy process. I'm looking at people in line for up to five hours. And I want to thank you. Thank you for what you're doing for the rest of us. Um, You know, when, when you cast a vote, it's not just about yourself. It's about everyone. You know, you're you're making a decision as to who will be recognized as having worth and value and, and worthy of respect. Who gets human rights and basic access to, you know, care. Um, and you know, as we're seeing in the current administration, everything's getting rolled backwards for a lot of marginalized and exploited individuals. You know, whether it's based on uh, race, sexual orientation, gender expression. So uh, thank you to those that are voting. You're you're doing a really beautiful act of spirituality, psychological care. But bigger than that, um, just a big move towards social justice. So thank you to those who are out there voting for Biden and Kamala. All votes matter. No vote is a vote. So for those that don't like the election system, I hear you. There's a lot of issues. But we really are fighting for our lives. So if not for you, please get out there and vote anyway for others. Vote Democrat. It's the best place that's going to really mimic our values, you know. also wanted to um, really hold space for those that are having difficult interactions God, with family members and friends, you know, a lot is being brought to the surface. And I, I talk about this a lot. And, um, you know, it's 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 a tiresome topic. It's really hard. And it, it hurts my heart because I'm getting a lot of DMs from people asking the same question. I'm having the same conversations with friends and family members. And it's coming into my office. You know, I'm still seeing a wealth of patience. I'm um, also doing coaching with people around the world. And everyone's saying, what do I do? Because the election has really let me learn about you know, people I care about ethics. And that's why I'm not using the word politics anymore. So moving forward, um, I'm just saying ethics because your politics are your ethics and everyone has a set of them. And what we believe in, what we vote for is all tied to our ethics, right? And I posted about this on my social media where I am saying that, you know, I'm not using the word politics anymore. I'm calling it what it really is. Let's be honest, we're talking about your ethics. They're all deeply tied. It's, it's truly synonymous. And they're the center point of our mental health. They Our ethics determine what we do in the world, how we move through the world, what we feel, what we think. And please don't think, please don't believe that the ethics of those around you, please don't think that that doesn't impact your mental health. Many of you are like, yo, high five directly. Others, it's indirect. When you go to a friend to talk about something, their ethics are brought up. When they engage that topic with you, when you talk about your struggle, when they give you advice, uh, whether or not they care and support who you are as a person or people you love and care about. You know, I have friends that are fat. I have friends that are black. I have friends that are indigenous. I have friends that are trans. I have friends that are non-binary. I have friends that are queer. Um, I can't personally have a relationship with anyone whose ethics think that some of those individuals don't have a right to life, don't have a right to um, feel value, don't have a right to have access to employment, identification that matches who they are gender wise, that they don't have a right to have an abortion if that's a decision that's right for them. I, I can't have those kinds of ethics around me because I don't want to be influenced by them. Right. And think about it. Our relationships to other people are rooted in ethics conversation and our conversations, what we're talking about are always tied to that. Give me a topic that isn't tied to your thoughts or beliefs in that way. And a lot of people are having to bump up against that. I determined that for me, I need ethical compatibility for someone to be in my life. And if someone's ethics are different, then they're not right. They're not healthy for me. They, I don't want to. I don't want to know what they think. I don't want to know what they feel because I know it'll be bad for me. I care and respect them, but I get to set a boundary with that. And the older I get, and the harder I work to have a ethic of care and compassion for everyone, and doing the work I do psychologically, and seeing the damage that is done when someone doesn't feel loved or cared for by family members, friends, or the larger culture, uh, it's too disastrous, and it's time to stop. You know. And I always make myself available to those that are really, truly interested in having a conversation and learning, but I won't battle and I won't debate because that's not about being open or looking to learn. And so I step away from that. And I said that a long time ago. I'm moving now more towards I'll answer questions, uh, but I won't debate. I won't debate whether or not a uh, sex worker has a right, has rights. I won't debate whether or not black people, uh, people that are Latinx or indigenous, if they have a right. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that, that's ethically really disgusting to me. And then, you know, like I said, we all live and think from our ethics. And uh, it's really important to surround ourselves with people that have similar ethics. Surround yourselves with people of different uh, opinions. Absolutely. You know, what, what baseball team's the best? What are the best movies? These are all opinions. Opinions aren't rooted in, does a human being have worth or value? right opinions aren't rooted in um, ethics and human rights opinions are more neutral objective things what's the best ice cream what's the best tv show does our town need more stop signs and traffic lights but remember we shift into something else completely when we start talking about a human being's right or worth inherently and uh, that's something that no one has to be around and that isn't something you have to tolerate mental health first mental health comes before oh it's family no mental health matters we don't let you know trauma exists because they're family, right? That's gaslighting and that's also supporting abuse and toxicity. So we do get to choose who's in our life and we get to make that decision based on who is going to be good for us in terms of our mental health and has the kind of ethics that we want to be surrounded by. And so I am supporting people that are removing people from their life or setting boundaries. Um, that, that is a human right, and we do need to do that. And no one gets a pass. You don't get a pass because you're a best friend or a family member if you're gonna be toxic for someone's mental health and have different ethics, right? Have people in your life that have different thoughts and opinions, but not different ethics. Uh, because that goes down to the core of who we are. And that's going to be very bad for your psyche, your nervous system, and your mental health. So I do draw the line there. Not everyone agrees with that, but that's okay. They don't have to, I think, for myself. And I lead by what makes sense to me. And I advise that you all do the same as well. You know, But I understand that's putting people in some difficult posi- positions about people that they have in their lives and what to do about it. It's not black and white. There's nuance, there's complexity and everyone has to kind of be on that journey on their own. So I just share a lot of this in broad strokes as a template and to offer care and support around whatever decisions you feel like you need to make, you know? All right, coming up next, we're gonna be talking about some things that fall under the category of anger management. Ah, yes. And it's some things I learned about myself as well and the work I do with some of my patients. All right, listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page, so please go wait in on that. DMs, we'll be doing them later in the show, so if you got a question for us, go to our Loveline IG page, slide on in there, drop them in those DMs, and uh, check out Old Loveline at wearechannelq.com and uh, my live stream show. It's called I'm Listening Live. Why? Because I want you to know that people are here and we care and we're listening. It's always me and experts and celebrities talking about COVID and mental health, tips, tricks, self-care. And again, that's on all the radio.com handles and that streams live at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can find past episodes, again, on all the radio.com handles. their Twitter, Facebook, and also YouTube. Good stuff. Check it out. Um, all right, y'all. So I wanted to talk about something that falls under the broad heading of anger management. And I think this is really valuable. And it was something that was really meaningful for me. And um, this actually came out of my spiritual practice. I took a break from individual therapy and was working more on spirituality because I realized that a lot of my issues were now falling under more existential things. Not that therapy can't cover that, but they were truly about me exploring who I was as a spiritual being and what ways I wanted spirituality to show up within my mental health. And I think that that's an often um, unacknowledged part because there are some things that transcend um, humanity or human relations and things that transcend psychology. And they're about a larger a larger piece. And that's where spirituality really comes in. It can give us a center point. And for me, it all aligns, mental health and my ethics and my social justice values and my spirituality, they all feed into and support each other. And I love when that happens. And I pull from a lot of different religious backgrounds because no one is correct, they're all correct. And they're all just different paths um, towards the same goal and um all of them have different things that speak to me you know so there's some a lot of it's very eastern influenced uh but there's also some christianity in there but a very evolved queer christianity christianity where you know god is obviously beyond things like gender and all those kind of human constructions and concerns and god is not of gender and all of that but that's for another show um which Early Loveline, I had some really great spiritual thinkers on, uh, Brandon Robertson, who writes about gay theology, also Lama Rod, who is a Buddhist, uh, black queer Buddhist, and his work is amazing. I also had Jordan Bach on, and we were talking about Christianity. So I'll have to have some of those leaders on when we get back in, uh, you know, back in the swing of things. Right now, things are a little funky. You know, we're recording from home and we're dealing with COVID, and I'm, you know, taking care of myself and prioritizing my well being and my mental health above all else. All else is secondary to my mental health and well being. And I advise you to do that to the ways you can. Now, the anger management piece is I realize that often <laughs> we just go into right anger someone cuts you off, someone does something, they drop something, they forget something. And I started to realize that we really needed to break it down to what it is. And I started to stand in those moments where I wanted to get reactive or angry. And I said, I need to I need to slow down. I need to be more mindful. And that's, if nothing else, we improve our mental health and our lives and our relationships if we just slow down and we pause. And what we're trying to do in that moment is create a little space between what happens and our reaction. Right? And mental health lies right there. Again, mental health lies and lives in the space between something happening and our reaction. And the more space we can create between those two, where we pause and we soothe ourselves and we think and we decide we want to do next, everything changes. And I realized when someone did something that made me angry, I wasn't breaking it down. Things are either about an inconvenience, they're about an accident, or they're about an injustice. And each one requires a very different response from us, right? If something's you know, an accident, then I've been practicing letting it go. Because a true accident means no one intended harm. Harm might have occurred, and I put responsibility on the person who created that to apologize and have accountability. But right now, this is about us, okay? And so when someone um, has an accident that involves me, my work is to let it go, okay? Their work is accountability, responsibility, to deal with whatever harm might have been caused, even if it's an accident. Even if you accidentally step on my toe, I would hope you would still say, I'm really sorry that happened. Can I help you? Right? You take accountability. But again, that's them. We're talking about us. So for me, I'm learning to let accidents go. If someone didn't mean to harm me, I let it go. The other piece is sometimes I realize it's not an injustice or an accident, something happened that's just an inconvenience, right? Maybe someone stepped in line in front of me partial, maybe partial accident, but it's more an inconvenience. And also for inconveniences, I'm learning on letting that go as well, because this is about you. This isn't about letting people get away with things. When you start thinking those terms, you've, you've lost yourself and you're getting into ego, uh, because inconveniences like get the wait in line longer or things like that. That's my moment. And this is where a lot of psychological and spiritual practice comes in. That's my moment where I'm taught, yo, dude, you need patience. You need to learn how to chill. Because you are just letting yourself get disrupted and possibly ruining your entire morning over over truly nothing, over nothing that had any malintent. And so when things are an inconvenience, I literally say thank you for giving me the opportunity to practice patience. I you know, I clearly I needed to because I got frustrated that someone jumped in line in front of me and now my day is what? 40 seconds disturbed by 40 seconds. I had to stand there for 40 seconds longer, maybe two minutes. Great, breathe, pray. You know what I mean? Do whatever you need to do in those moments. Look at your phone. Of course it's in your hand. So I had to separate out. Is this an accident, an injustice, or an inconvenience? Again, if it's an accident, I let it go. If it's an inconvenience, I stand there and I learn how to practice calming myself down. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Okay, that's an inconvenience. Truly, that's not an injustice, it's an inconvenience. They clearly are in a rush or clearly very assertive. Okay, but don't let your whole day be ruined or thrown off by that. And then finally, there's injustice. If it's an injustice that you're seeing happening directed to you or others, speak up and step in. That's called mutual aid. It is your business. We do want to make it our business when we see someone getting harmed or ourselves. It, does, it shouldn't be, ah, we don't know them, it's not your business. Oh, that's, yeah, please, please care about others. Please get involved when we see injustice happening. Please stand up for people, especially someone who's an, of an exploited or marginalized identity. They need you to, right? That's how we right wrongs. That's how we as white people start to end racism. White people start racism and have maintained it. We, it's on us to fight it. Cis people, when we see trans individuals, getting injustices directed at them. It is our job as well because it's the CIS structure that has created that damage. You know, straight people, when gay or queer people step in, right? So you have to understand, is this an injustice? Is this an accident or an inconvenience? Because only one really requires us to be loud and to really step in and fix that the accidents we let go and inconveniences we learn there and we look at what we're meant to practice we'll talk more about this coming up next dms listening to love line with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com all right y'all we are back and it's time to slide into those dms sliding into the dms sliding the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence here we go Dear Dr. Chris, oh yes, these DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. Drop them on in there. Dear Dr. Chris, should I be worried that my husband subscribes to OnlyFans account and pays for extras? Ah, he's fancy. Those extras. (laughs) That's how people make money. It's those extras. Private videos with her. Two weeks ago, I told him I took sexy pics for him. He never asked to see them. I feel very much down about this. I don't know how to handle it. Please help. I'll be listening to your podcast as I always do. Thanks for always listening. It means a lot. Um, This is good. This is a good one. Um, Thank you for asking this. Thank you for being this vulnerable. So much in there. Uh, I want to just start with your own experience of yourself and your own sexuality. It's okay to want to feel desired. It's okay to want to be wanted. Our self-worth is a reflection back. I don't agree or believe that we should just not care what other people think, and it's an internal job. That's a small part of it, but we live in the world, and people's thoughts and opinions matter. And we can't get away from that, and I don't want us to. I don't want us to try to be robots. I don't want us to be so disconnected that we then can't experience the benefits and beauties the beauty and joy of what can be reflected back. So the goal the goal is to be in healthy dynamics with people that reflect back our worth and value. That's the work of self-esteem, is who you have around you and the messaging they're giving you about yourself, and also the internal work of how you talk about yourself. And what you kind of immerse yourself in so it's, it's a little bit of both so i appreciate what you're saying i i was once in a relationship where the the sexual energy and desire very much went in a different direction and it was really difficult and and i left. and and I'm, this is not what i'm saying for you to do there's a lot of other issues but i'm just agreeing that that's a very difficult dynamic and when coupled with other issues it just for me at that point in my life become became something i wasn't able to really tolerate and deal with so First off, I'm glad that you're comfortable enough with yourself where you want to take those sexy pictures and you want to use it as a way to bond with your partner. I wonder if they're aware of the meaning of that. You know, most often people aren't considering the impact on others, most often we aren't considering others. Very often, we're trapped in our own closed system in terms of thinking, and we're, we're not considering what others might be asking for or wanting. So I love transparency and vulnerability. I love saying, hey, when I send you those photos, I do it for both me and you. It feels really good to have you engage them and respond to them. It's not just... I'm not just doing it for my health, you know, engage and respond, you know, let me know what you're thinking and feeling. But I also think it's okay to talk about the OnlyFans concerns. I, I ne- there's no such thing as a topic that's off limits. I want people to have, again, a very vulnerable, transparent relationship where it's safe to say, hey, what is the meaning in that for you? Because what I want to believe it is and what it tends to be is just people seeking novelty and newness. It's not a commentary on their care, love, or interest in you, right? We can have desire for many things and again the most arousing thing sexually is newness and novelty and that's often what people are seeking rarely are they trying to build a competing relationship or a secondary relationship that's not usually the case with pornography you know there's a reason why he's choosing to use A platform, a platform that has obvious limits and a platform that's very performative. I I know personally and work with many people that have OnlyFans accounts as performers. They are not on there trying to film, uh, excuse me, they are not on there trying to create a real relationship. In fact, many of those pages are run by others. Many of the people I know and the clients I work with that are high earners on those pages, they have staff and crew that respond. It's not even that actual person engaging your husband. So again, remember, it's a platform where your husband is safely trying to just engage newness and novelty. Number two, the people on the other end aren't trying to connect with your husband. They have a multitude of people that are connecting with them. And number three, it's often not even the person themselves that's on the platform. That there's other people responding and engaging. But I would want you to talk to your partner about what it means to see him prioritizing that over you and you sharing with him how much it would mean to you to have desire reflected back at you. And more importantly, how he shows up to this conversation is what tells me the most right? Not as much as what he says as to how he shows up to it. Is he open to being present and to listening and trying to self-correct and trying to honor what you're looking for and trying to provide that? Well, that's a beautiful thing. That means more to me than whether or not only fans exists in the solution because I'd want you to also afford him the safe ability to engage others in a way that still honors your monogamy, which is what I'm assuming you have based on your concern, but also you getting your needs met too, you know? So circle back. Let me know how it goes. Uh, Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Con because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, we're gonna talk about the ever-important anal stacks. <laughs> Stick around for that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and I wanted to talk about uh, <laughs> content warning, trigger warning. We're gonna talk about anal. Um <laughs> so uh if your kids are listening turn the radio off if you don't want to have to unpack that for them. This is adult conversation. It's a love line. This is where we talk about these things. Why? We're sex and body positive. It's okay to say anal. It's okay to say anus. It's okay to acknowledge that these things happen. And guess what? That's what the kids are talking about. That's right. Looking at all the studies, that is what everyone's asking about. And so I'm here to provide information. Do I support it? Absolutely. It's part of sexual development and exploration to understand our total bodies and understand that our total body has the capacity to give us pleasure. And if you're worried about things like uh, pregnancy, guess what? No one ever got pregnant from anal. And so, yes, that might be where you might want to focus sexuality. Also things like outer course, all the kinds of sexualities that don't involve any kind of penetration. That's also a great thing to do. And we're normalizing all different things that fall under the label of sex. Sex is not just something we do with our anatomy. Sex is also not always something that has to include penetration or orgasm. And we will talk about that in our next segment when we're going to break through some sex and relationship myths. But I wanted to talk about butt play, because that's something that's on the rise. That's what the uh, younger individuals are wanting to hear about. And I have floods and droves of people in my DMs asking about it, constantly talking about it. So a couple of things we want to break down about it. First off, huh, make sure it's something you want to do. I'm always open to exploration if you're with a safe partner that you trust. If a partner that you love, care for, and trust wants to explore something, try it. You have no reason to not try because if it isn't for you, you can always say no thank you, but you don't know sometimes until you try and sometimes it's about finding your path. So the first thing I always say is you can't try something once. The first time we try something, we're often gonna be really anxious or insecure or unsure. I always say try things two or three times so that you can really see what it's like when you feel a little more competent, confident and relaxed. But things like this, we only wanna try with people that we care about and we feel safe with. Not because we can't do it with, with whoever we want, but because if this is your first time, I want it to be associated with feelings of comfort and care. And that could be part of a one-night stand. You can have a one-night stand where someone is a human being That's I am. If I have a one-night stand with someone, I'm very loving. I'm very caring. I'm very present. It's a person. Even if I'm not going to see them again, even if I don't know their name, I'm very caring and present. It's a human being. I know that I'm part of their journey. So make sure it's something you want to do, but be open to it. When a partner requests more sexual newness and novelty exploration, it's because they want to have a robust sex life with you. They don't want to have to leave you or ask to have sex with other people or whatever it is. It's It's a form of commitment and intimacy sexuality. Sometimes it's just about fun too, and I want you to be willing to be a part of that. So ask yourself why you would maybe not want to gift that to your partner, because there's ways to do all different kinds of things that don't harm. Also, like I said earlier, you wanna make sure it's someone that you can talk to because it's something you have to do slowly. It's not something you rush into. It's something we have to get familiar with. And I remind people that they should start by touching themselves first. That's a part of our body that a lot of people have never seen or touched on themselves. So that's always the first step, getting familiar yourself with touching that part of your own body and having it touched. And we can do that in the shower. For some, that's the easiest, safest place. you know, Soap up your fingers and start getting comfortable externally touching and rubbing that area, slowly slipping a finger, using utilizing, a finger, and then at some point, maybe fold it into your own solo sexuality, aka your masturbation. Start having that area touched by yourself. Toys are a great place to to begin because the vibrations just externally feel good. Really lube it up, and then you start to kind of use some insertion. It's a slow process that we build up to, and as you're noticing, you start with yourself. That's always the best place because you're going to be in control. But again, if it's someone we care about and we know trust and cares about us, we have to make sure that they are also slow because it's supposed to be fun and feel good. And so it's about constantly saying stop or like this, not like that. And also knowing that different positions because all of our different body canals, whichever ones we're talking about, they're not necessarily always a straight route. Some of them have curves and bends and our bodies are all shaped differently. And so any form of penetration might hit different parts of our body where it doesn't necessarily feel comfortable. And if we change our positions, that will shift that as well, right? But try to, in the beginning, have it done in positions where you feel like you're in control and do it with a partner where you feel like you're in control. Also, always make sure you're using tons and tons of lube. Lube is going to be your best friend for everything, for solo sexuality, for any kind of insertion, penetrative play, because again, that helps it not get friction, that helps prevent from micro tears, Um, And lube can dry out, so make sure you're naturally always adding that. And our bodies don't necessarily always provide the necessary lubrication, so it's okay to have some care with that and help. And also don't push your limits. You're not going for a gold medal. You know what I mean? We love the idea of pushing and challenging. This is something that shouldn't be a push or a challenge. It should be something that naturally you ease into slowly. Point being, if you decide today that you wanna get more familiar with anal sex, it's not necessarily something that's gonna happen in the next month. It might be for you something that takes a couple months when you slowly, like I said, start with yourself and then start slowly with a partner. And it might always initially be more external, just getting familiar with touch and attention in that area. And then slowly moving into some level of insertion always being in control, always relax. Because if you're tightening in your mind and you're thinking stressfully, your body's gonna be tight too. If your mouth and your body is tense, so will your lower area as well. The pelvic floor muscles will mimic and mirror your, your emotions and the rest of your body. And if those are stressed and tight, the pelvic floor area will as well. When we are calm and aroused, we let go. And that is when we are best able to receive such things. So we'll talk more about this coming up next though. We're going to break down some sex myths and uh, then question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveland IG page in the stories. Listen to Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to bust some myths. I love stuff like this. Uh, I spend so much time clinically and uh, in media just challenging all these myths that uh, lead us astray and do us wrong. They do us dirty. (laughs) Those myths do us dirty. But think about it. Sex education in our culture is horrible. It's just fear-based. It's very hetero. Nowhere do they talk about fun or pleasure. Nowhere do they talk about our entire body is an erogenous zone. It's all about just the reproductive areas. It's fear-based around STDs and STIs. It's a mess, you know, and no one comes out of that learning real skill. And it's often taught by like your dad, you know what I mean? No one with any sex education training or sexual comfort. It's never sex or body positive, never talks about queer sexuality or anal sex or all sorts of other things, how to use toys safely, gender. It needs to because those things are real and that's who we really are. So I'm constantly needing to give people a better resource. There's And a lot of the books that people are writing are the same regurgitated crap written for, I don't know who they're written for, but my books, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love were both written to include, well, as might people be possible, it's really for everyone. So let's bust some myths. Um, the first one being that um, sex only counts if you dot, dot, dot. Now, as I said in the earlier segment, everything is sexuality. It's a big umbrella. Sex is not always genital-based sex does not always involve erections sex does not always involve orgasms and it doesn't always involve penetration and it doesn't even always involve other people you know if you're having sex with yourself that's sex if you're having outer course which means we're not penetrating but we're just doing other things outside of our bodies that's sex And the funny thing is when people challenge that, I say to them, Hey, are you monogamous? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, oh, great. So penetration only counts. So if oral isn't sex, then your partner can give and get oral from other people. And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, there's my point. Because that is sex to you. Is your partner allowed to, in your mind, are you comfortable? Not allowed. Because adults, it's not about allowed. Adults choose to honor boundaries they set. Because you're allowed to do whatever you want. You just choose to, to have those limits. But my point being is that whole monogamy reference, if anyway, well, some people have very, very broad based senses of that, which is good because every couple again has to decide for themselves what monogamy means. Remember that. Don't assume something you have to talk about, which is always fascinating. People have a lot of anxiety about saying, Hey, what do you consider monogamy? Like we both said we're going to be, but like, what do you, what are the gray areas? Cause for some people they're like, I don't mind flirting or sending pictures. Like who cares? But other people, they do. So some people have stricter versions, other people it's looser. So make sure you talk that out. Um, other myths to a bus that get in our way is that sex isn't supposed to be painful, including anal. Yes, that's right. Everybody has the potential to enjoy anal. It's not just something for someone who's a prostate owner. Nope. We all have nerve endings. And for some, it's just the pleasure. Uh, it's called erotic empathy. We are excited and aroused by seeing our partner excited and aroused, right? And uh, sometimes that's what it's about. For others, it's the closeness. For others, it's that it's kinky or taboo in their mind, right? Another good one is that masturbation is uh, bad or only for the lonely or whatever it is. No, everyone gets to have a solo sexuality and that's under your control only. Your partner or partners, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they don't get to weigh in on your solo sexuality. That's for you and you alone. They don't get to weigh in on what you're looking at, what you're doing, how you're doing it, how often. It's called solo sexuality. It's for you with yourself. It's your relationship, your own sexuality. Your partners get to weigh in on partnered sexuality, that's where they get brought in. But what you're doing with yourself is up to you. And some people, their sexual orientation is solo sexuality, where they're more geared towards sex with themselves. They are not really geared towards partnered sex. And that's important to know and to understand and explain. For some, that's even seen as being part on the asexual spectrum, you know? So again, masturbation gets to be for everyone and you get to decide how that works in your life, not your partner. Your partner can say, hey, I miss having partnered sex or can we have more partnered sex? You can request it like that, but you can't tell a partner you're not allowed to masturbate you're not allowed to look at porn that's not your partner's business if they don't like porn then they shouldn't look at it if they don't like masturbation then they shouldn't do it but your solo sexuality is about your personal autonomy and boundaries and we get to have boundaries we have to have boundaries with our husband wife boyfriend or girlfriend whether you're married monogamous whatever it is we have to have boundaries we can say you know what that is something i'm not willing to bring you into Everyone is allowed to have boundaries and privacy. You're allowed to say that is something I keep to and with myself. I don't wanna talk about my solo sexuality maybe, what it looks like, how I do it. You're allowed to keep that to yourself. You don't have to talk about it. I want couples to be in relationships where they can, but sometimes we're with someone who has a sexual immaturity or they're very sex negative or sexually anxious, and they're not safe enough or mature enough to be that open with. And you recognize that. And when they say, hey, do you look at porn? You say, you know what? I don't really talk about my solo sexuality, but let's work on building a more sex positive, intimate relationship. And when I know that that's something we can both talk about without judgment, then I'll bring you into that part of my life. But until then you have a right to set boundaries and have privacy always. Um, Another thing is this whole idea about what's desirable. Look, we have this horrible thing about market value where we've all been socialized to see certain kinds of bodies or sexuality or sexual expressions as hot or healthy, but they all get to be, you know? And so I always say challenge yourself to maybe fantasize, have sex with, uh, masturbate to, things that are a little bit beyond what we normally reinforce because our sexual orientations and our arousal templates are far bigger than usually what we just engage in. You know, they extend beyond that. And, uh, before I wrap up, I want to just give a special shout out to an article I was looking at and it was really beautiful. It, it really warmed my heart. It was like a personal narrative and essentially it has to do with trans identity and gender exploration. And it's uh, from this page called humans of St. Louis. It's kind of like humans of New York. Um, and it was really beautiful. Basically a shop owner was saying that an individual came in, in their seventies, uh, male presenting male defined and wanted to buy thigh high boots and was saying, you know, I never felt safe or able to really explore my gender. And now at 70, with the world being the way it is, it feels safer and I feel more supported and I'm kind of coming out into more of a gender fluidity. And that individual bought those thigh-high boots and that 70-year-old man busted out of the, out of the store with them. Months later, came this person comes in the store, the shop owner says in this narrative, and it was this beautiful, beautiful 70-year-old black woman and, uh, and it was that man now as his female self. And these pronouns are based on how that person represents himself. So when he went in, he was a he, and he was comfortable with that pronoun. Now he uses she, and we refer to her as she. And uh, the shop owner was saying, what a beautiful moment and a joy to be a part of this person. But the bigger point is even in, even in your seventies, even in your eighties, even in your nineties, you're still allowed to want love. You're still allowed to want a sex life and to go have sex. You're still allowed to explore your gender. You're still allowed to come out as gay or queer or bi or sexually fluid and explore that. We ha- we get to have that our entire lives because our sexuality and our arousal is always in motion and our gender. And we're allowed to keep deconstructing and challenging and trying and exploring. That's beauty. That's mental health. And, What a beautiful antidote. All right, y'all, coming up next, Question of the Night. Uh, Still some time, so weigh in on that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time for Question of the Night. A woman went viral on Reddit. God bless it. Always something cuckoo going on Reddit because she found her fiance broke up with her after seeing his photo in the newspaper with another girl, celebrating their engagement. Oh my gosh, that hurts my whole my soul. <laughs> but again, this is an example where be better than that. I, I, you know, again, if you're, if you're in a relationship that you want to leave, you lovingly tell the person. When you enter into a relationship with someone, you take responsibility and accountability for how you impact them. There's nothing okay about that. And also, what a red flag to the new partner that, the, that your partner doesn't even lovingly leave the prior one right? Again, looking back at who our partners have been in prior relationships really tells us what they're capable of. It's not a good sign when people don't leave past relationships lovingly or in a functional way. So I see so many red flags for the new partner, which for the one left, of course, I'm sorry that happened, but possibly it might've been a great thing because if this is how your partner handles this, I'm concerned about how they handle other topics. So Oh, go find something better. But the question is, what's the wildest way you've gotten broken up with? Gosh, this is always such a fascinating question. <laughs> because people are horrible. <laughs> so we're gonna laugh a little bit, but be better. This is horrible. You're hurting people, right? Dating isn't supposed to be a process where we get injured. It doesn't have to be. We make it that way because we don't have a willingness to be honest. And I've said this before, you break up with someone on a Post-it, break up with someone in a text. I don't care how you do it as long as you do it. And we shame people, oh, this is how they did it. Be glad that they did it because there's people like this person who doesn't, they just disappear. We live in a world where people are too comfortable ghosting and disappearing. Be glad that they did it the way they need to do it. I say that to patients all the time. If the only way you're gonna be able to pull this off is in a less desirable way, well, then we're going that way because it needs to be done. And I'm not gonna judge how you did it. I'm assuming that was the best you could do. And I'm glad you let this person you know, down, Let you let them know what's going on. So anyway, what's the wildest way you've been broken up with? Someone said, not bad at all. But mine was getting dumped a few days before my 16th birthday in 2006 on MSN chat for a girl he met at Christian camp. I was told our, I was told our few month long relationship was really holding him back from living his life. Oh my God. Kids, man, my underage cousin got pregnant at the same camp the following year. Wow, this camp is quite a place. But that's an example, a Christian camp, right? And you just proved why we need better sex education because studies show teaching absence only, the kids will still have sex. They'll just do it in a sloppier, more chaotic way because you haven't armed them with the knowledge and confidence to know what to ask for, to know what's available, to understand safer sex practices, to learn communication. You just delay it. You make it more problematic. So we have to talk to kids about the realities. Somebody else said, the, this person literally spat in my face, proving my point. God bless. You guys are some people out there are horrible. Someone else said pulled up to a moving truck. Oh, you decided to move to LA. Cool. <laughs> oh, God. oh man. Never dull. Again, question of the night is what's a, what's the wildest way you've been broken up with? Someone said he literally just stopped talking to me one day. So I showed up at his house and caught him with his baby mama. God bless it. Uh, Somebody else said, she treated me so badly. And then when I broke up with her, she had the nerve to cry and want me back. I'm good. (laughs) I mean, there's such a lesson here. I know we're talking about others, but look back at how you've ended relationships with people and that shows you where some of your work is. But I'm sorry to those that were on the receiving end. Some this is horrible. Again, question of the night is... um, about a woman on Reddit when She found her fiance broke up with her after she saw his photo in the newspaper with another girl celebrating their engagement. What's the wildest way you've been broken up with? Somebody said, I had to move out of state for a job and was going to break up with him. But he begged me for long distance relationship. So I told him that was fine. Then when I moved, stopped talking to me the second my plane landed. Like why go through all that trouble? <laughs> I know Uh, people do it a lot out of anxiety, desperation, (laughs) lacking good social skills and care. God bless it all. Oh gosh. Um, all right, we'll do one more again. Question tonight is what's the wildest way you've been broken up with. Someone said, I got broken up within a pizza shop in front of everyone. I know that's horrible. (laughs) No one wants an audience for a breakup. You know what I mean? We got to feel our feels and we don't want all these people around. Uh, just remember, our hearts get hurt, stay soft, stay open. Don't let the bad behavior of others harden us and shut us down. There are good people that are out there, I promise. It just takes time to find them because there's about seven of them. But uh, once we find one of those seven, hold on, <laughs> do the work you need to do to be a good person to keep it. Because good people only stay with good people. You know what I mean? So you want to be at your best when you meet someone who's phenomenal, but they'll see that you're at their level. And they'll be like, I'm glad I have you. God bless it. All right, y'all. Thanks for those who participated in your vulnerability. As always, the new question of the night is up on our Loveline AG page in the stories. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding those DMs. Two-minute promise. We'll be back in two. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now <laughs> It's time to slide back into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. Sorry, I'm still laughing from our question of the night about horrible ways that people were broken up with. I was just thinking about a few of my own zingers. I always try to be a really good person. And I think the biggest thing is always just making sure someone understands that I'm trying to lead the relationship and what's possible. Because I think the harshest thing is when you confuse people or leave them hanging by saying things like, let's be friends when you don't mean it, or now's not a good time. And then they hang in there and circle back or whatever it is. You got to use key terms, specifically or concise terms. You have to sadly use words like breakup or no longer want to be romantic or sexual or whatever it is. Um, so people know, that's also what I tell people to do when you're asking someone out, use the word date. So they're not wondering if you know, if it's a date, they're not sure if it's a date. Do they think it's a date? Are we on a date? No one use the word date. Use the word date. <laughs> okay. Uh, DM time. Hey, Dr. Chris, something has kind of been happening over the last few weeks <clears throat> and I wanted to get your opinion on it. I'm a lesbian, hundred percent. No doubt about it. Long story short, in high school, I had a boyfriend. We had sex a few times, but it was awful. (laughs) I hate thinking thinking about it because it grosses me out. (laughs) So since him, when I was 18, I've known I'm gay. (laughs) Lately, I've been having dreams about having sex with men. Maybe like twice a week for the last two weeks, to be honest. In my dreams, I usually climax, and then I wake up a little confused. What does this mean? I'm single and haven't had sex since the pandemic. Maybe that's why. What do you think? Thank you. I love I love the the pandemic woven in there. It's possible gosh, so many new things emerge out of the pandemic. I'd say a few things. We really try to get very solid and comfortable with what our sexuality is. We really believe it's something that we have to figure out. And once we do, it's that's it. It's an ongoing open-ended exploration. So sure, identify as a lesbian. You get to identify however you want. And if that's what's important to you, most meaningful, go with that. But that doesn't mean that there's not maybe a little more fluidity or that the edges aren't pushed a little bit. Clearly, if you're fantasizing about sex with men, that exists in some capacity. Now, again, the things we fantasize about are not what we actually want to act out in real life by no means are they and that's what's great about fantasies our minds can wander we don't have to consider reality we don't have to consider people's feelings we don't have to consider ethics and laws like that's why fantasy is a beautiful thing and whether or not we act out on that is about impulse control boundaries and empathy and all that so i would say don't make any meaning of it unless you want to and if you want to you can choose to realize that maybe you have you know a little more bisexuality or fluidity than you expect or assumed. You know, people think bisexual means 50/50. Nope. It can mean 95/5. It can mean 99/1. You can be 99.999% lesbian with a 0.01 and if you want to call that bisexual, there you are. You can call it little sexually fluid too. But um, that's in there you know our arousal templates are vast and they change meaning you might go further in for a while and then completely never fantasize about a man again it's an ever going system it's not something we just we just land on you know we we figure out gender and we think that that's it the work is done i'm this nope so much more than that and our psyches don't care about labels and limits and rules and what it means it does what it does you get to interpret it and make the meaning you want out of it. So if you want to go by lesbian forever, awesome. If you want to go by bisexual because that little 0.01% where it's only fantasy, that's cool too. Or work with a lot of straight men. They watch straight porn, which involves a naked man and a penis. And that's definitely not completely hetero. That means there's a little bit something in there. They're not looking at ladies only. And a lot of gay men watch straight porn. Again, the presence of the female provides something. Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's meaning. Sometimes it's diversity. Sometimes it's something taboo and that's hot. It really depends, but the meaning doesn't matter. It's really about just accepting and allowing and enjoying. Again, hear that. I don't care why. I don't care what. Accept it, allow it, and enjoy it. Make no meaning out of it unless you want to. Call yourself whatever you want. We have to not make it so profound and meaningful unless you want it to be. But thank you for the vulnerability. I love questions like that. Sliding so the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, y'all, that is our show. Loveline is podcasted over at wearechannelq.com. Tomorrow's show is going to be awesome. We're going to be talking about what to do with low sexual desire and also social media impact. And we'll be talking about these things called intimacy buffers, which are elements we bring in that really get in the way of staying close and connected to those we love. So we will be back tomorrow. As always, at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard on all the We Are Channel Q stations across the country. Thanks for hanging out with me, y'all. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.